Y-O-B. I am Nolan Ash. This is Laura Camp, and this is Julia Daly. We are so excited that you're here with us, Julia. And you won a contest that Laura did online that we we offered up a spot on BYOB. And we are so excited to have you on the episode today. Tell the folks a little bit about who you are. I will. I'm so excited to be here because I've been stalking you ladies for quite a while. So I was thrilled to see the contest <laughs> and I could get on with you instead of waiting on a long list. But I say so that you're here. I'm a Texan with a Southern accent. I have an uh, English degree and a master's in education. I've done a lot of uh, teaching, everything from communications at uh, Bellhaven University in Jackson, Mississippi. I was public relations director at the Mississippi Department of Education, and I worked wow. at Millsaps College. So I've been around the education field for a long time. But my favorite job was actually when I was executive director of the Craftsman's Guild of Mississippi. There are 300 artisans from 19 different states, and we operated the Mississippi Craft Center. So I got to write, write their stories to introduce them to the public. So that was a lot of fun. How fascinating that must have been. It's yes. so cool. And I've uh, I lived 62 years in Mississippi to be buried in Texas. So here I am on a... <laughs> on a remote ranch with my husband and two Labradors, Memphis Bell and Texas Star. What um, great names. Yeah, <laughs> other names. What do you do on your ranch? Do you, is it a working ranch? Well, we have live, uh, a lot of wildlife here. Uh, we were looking for a second home and I thought we wanted cooler summers. So I was looking in North Carolina in the mountains, but my husband had, board meetings in San Antonio and he would say every time I land in Texas it just feels right and I said well th those aren't cooler summers but no <laughs> we we came out and we explored the hill country and it's beautiful here and and so we settled into a, a small historic town between uh, San Antonio and Austin. Wow what a neat area to be in right between mm -hmm. two really cool cities. Yes. Never been to Texas. Oh, well, come and, and we'll let you stay at the ranch. <laughs> there I you go. Good. How many acres do you have? Uh, 350. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that, that's considered a ranchette in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> a ranchette. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I, I know it's in, uh, yeah, the biggest state. Yeah, everything's bigger in Texas. Everything ranchettes. Yes. <laughs> I've got I've become so enamored with all the ranches out here and the history of all the families who have been here for generations that my second novel is actually going to take place on the largest ranch in Texas. <laughs> oh, wow. What, one is, what awesome. ranch is that? What was you that, know, Laura? What is the largest ranch in Texas? Do you know what? Well, King Ranch is King the largest. Mine is... Go Yes, you can see it on the back of Ford pickups Ford and trucks, things like yeah. that. <laughs> but, Ford truck. <laughs> yeah, mine is, is going to be fiction, and I'm mm -hmm. going to make up a ranch. It's called the Thorn. Oh, what a great name. Thorn Ranch. Ooh. I like that. I'm intrigued already. Can't wait. Yes. Now, your book, No Names to Be Given, um, 
it's you know, for me being from South Louisiana, the New Orleans area, I was fascinated by this premise for many, many reasons. Um, one, I had watched a British mystery where they actually had a character who had a baby and was you know was pregnant and was sent to one of these places in England. So these these homes or places for women that go to have babies and then the babies are taken from them and put up, you know, they, they go like nothing happened. They go, they have the baby, they go back. And that fascinated me in that episode. And so then when I read the synopsis about your book and I thought, oh my gosh, it's, it's starting here in New Orleans. And oh, wow, the research on this must have been really fascinating for you. What were some of the things that, that you discovered? Why was this what you wanted to start with as your plot point? Well, because even though it's fiction, it has a thread of memoir running through it. My three protagonists meet at a maternity home in New Orleans to relinquish their babies for adoption. And like you said, return home as if nothing transpired. And 25 years later, they're brought back together by blackmail and threatened uh, to expose their secrets all the way to the White House. So it has a, a real nice <laughs> thread running through it. Yeah. But but it has my memoir running through it because I was one of those adopted children from a maternity home in New Orleans. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. So it hits what, close to home. That hit really close to home right. for you. It does. Was that an easy thing to research or did yeah. that kind of become a little prickly for you? Well, it was real interesting because I actually searched and found my birth mother. Uh, years ago. And that was at a time when nobody was searching and nobody had open records. But there was a Napoleonic <laughs> law still on the books in New Orleans that said that an, ad <laughs> an adopted child can inherit from their natural parents. Well, you can't inherit from people that you don't know. Right. So that became the little crack in the door that I could get through and get my original birth certificate. And then Many years later, when these commercial DNA kits happened, I found my birth father's side of the family as well. So wow. both of those premises are in my book, searching and finding the birth parents through um, different methods, including DNA. Now, when you got your original birth certificate, was your name changed when you were adopted? Yes, all the children's names are changed on birth certificates so that. Is that the remote ranch? Wi-Fi? Must be the remote ranch. <laughs> we'll catch back up with Julie in just a second. Her remote ranch has remote Wi-Fi. So we, we were warned about this. And that's it. There we go. There. <laughs> Cut you out just a little bit there. I think your, your remote ranch. Wi-Fi yes. was, was acting up a little bit there. So the names have changed when yes. the children are adopted out. So yes. did, did you learn what your original name was? I did. I was supposed to be a Margaret and called Peggy. Oh, that's my mother. My mother uh, Margaret called Peggy. Oh, how about that? <laughs> but but wow. yes, I, I actually uh, called my birth grandmother's house where my m birth mother had lived and uh, ask if she had a daughter who had given up a baby for adoption. Um, and she said, absolutely not. You know, she was still in that culture of secrets and silence that was kept for so many years. You know, the baby scoop generation 
um, was for many years where you did give up those babies for adoption and then you kept those secrets to your grave. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what she was trying to do was protect my birth mother. But I gave her my telephone number and my birth mother contacted me and we met and it was a very happy reunion. I was not looking for another mother. I had my mother and my father who are my parents, but it was interesting to see somebody who looks like me and to find out about the health you know, records yeah. that were never given to yeah. us. And every time I would go into a doctor's office, they would say, do you have heart disease or diabetes or cancer in your family? And I would have to say, I don't know because I was adopted. That has to be kind of an interesting thing to then find out, you know, all your life you're wondering, is there something lurking in mm -hmm. my DNA that that could be out there? I mean, most of us kind of have that, you know, we have this history of this particular thing. We're on the lookout mm -hmm. for those symptoms. We're aware. And in your case, there mm -hmm. was there was nothing to be looking out for. And so you don't know what might be sneaking up on you. And that's when I began my search is when I started having my own family and my children and they had all kinds of you know, minor health issues, but I kept thinking, where is this coming from? And I wanted to know. I does think your, that was um, fascinating. Does your birth birth mother know that you wrote this book? She passed away before oh. she got to see the book. Mm -hmm. I it would yes. have been an interesting thing it to discuss have. with her, wouldn't it? But, but I did receive an email through one of the DNA um, companies that said that the reference line was, are you my sister? And that will get your attention. I <laughs> sure will. So I, um, sure enough, it was on my father, birth father's side of the family. And she had reached out to me because we matched up in the DNA results. And that's been fun. Oh. You know, I, I was told all my life, let me look at these cheekbones. I was told all my life that I had Cherokee in my background and being around, you know, Louisiana and Mississippi, uh, there are a lot of, <laughs> a lot of native Americans. And I uh, love that about my background. And after the DNA results, I'm not Cherokee at all. I'm <laughs> Jewish. <laughs> well, apparently they have high cheekbones too. <laughs> I guess so. Wow. Oh, interesting. You were mm -hmm. all kinds of things you didn't know. <laughs> I know. Hans 57. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're just all a bunch of mutts over here having a yeah, good time. That's <laughs> right. Doesn't matter. Exactly. I wonder when one of those pops up, you have a DNA match to explore. What's yes. going to happen when I, I know. When I open it up? <laughs> just just <laughs> beware. You know, <laughs> on random I, family. I <laughs> Any I've told a lot of people, and that's been my favorite part of this journey of writing this book, has been talking to uh, birth mothers who have reached out, some who um, gave up their children in the same hospital where I was born, in the maternity home, uh, adoptive parents, other adoptees. You know, that's been such a great um, chapter in this book is, is to, you know, talk to them and find out their experiences and hear their stories. That is so fascinating. I, I knew asking you about the research was going to be interesting. I had no idea <laughs> that it was going to be so personally connected to you. This is yes. just what an amazing journey. This book and writing it, just the whole process yes. must have been almost 
cathartic, cathartic. in Ooh. many ways, kind of getting that out. Has it been? Wow. It, it has been. It has been. It's been great therapy. And I wrote it thinking of it on the big screen. You know, I could see all these women in their maternity outfits back in the 60s and the music of the 60s and all of that was big screen to me and now it's actually being shopped around in Hollywood to the studios and I just hope to oh. see it if not on the big screen on a streaming service on the oh, little sure. screen would be great right. too. Did you did you go ahead and write the screenplay for it or did you no. have that? You know they asked me about that and I said it's a whole different ball game to write uh, 350 pages and then try to reduce that to 120 pages so mm -hmm. you know they're more experienced yeah. screenplay writers than i am so oh, you yeah. had it made you had a screenwriter convert it into a screenplay. They're, they're working on it right now oh how neat mm -hmm. that's so awesome i mean as you were talking i'm thinking this is a series this is like a netflix thing or pun i mean i could totally see this yeah on the yes. screen what a like fascinating thing yes i know i see the same oh, thing i can absolutely see it i hope that that comes to fruition because i know i'm yeah. the first in line watching that one that it's just such an interesting she subject and then to go all the yes. way to Washington with yes. this from New Orleans to Washington. What an interesting story. And of course you, you let slip to me earlier that you have a character that from Franklin, Tennessee, which is, she is. She and is. so I've got, I've got lots of, uh, I've got little connections to this one. So yes, I'm anxious. Yes. And the audio book is, is done very well. There's a, a nice Southern uh, voice in it, but not too syrupy. I had to choose, you know, sometimes when you request narrators with a Southern voice, it is awful. <laughs> awful. It does not sound like us at all. No, like, we'll you have to. Accent, probably. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> it's so, really good. Yeah, you trying to yeah. do it. Was funny. So you should, I think you almost you should, have to find a Southerner to do it. I mean, yeah. it, it is really, really hard to find people who do a Southern accent. Yeah. It's but, just. But you should listen to it. So difficult. On your way to picking up kids yeah. and, and driving around. Absolutely. I'm fascinated now. I'm definitely going to have to get this one. I'm going to get it for my mom, too, because this is right up. She had some friends in high school. She's in her 70s that went away yes. for a while when um, mm -hmm. she was in high school and yes. had their baby somewhere else and then just yeah. came back and went right back into, into high school mm -hmm. like nothing had ever happened. So, it, it been, so yeah. it's been a great topic for book clubs. I'm zooming all over the yeah. country, you know, for oh, wow. book clubs and talking about this complex topic of adoption because now there's so many pertinent issues around that topic, you know, same sex adoptive parents, mm -hmm. adopting out of the culture, international versus in country, all the open and closed states with the records. Um, and then, of course, the flip side with all the lawsuits with Roe versus Wade, you know, it's, it's just a real hot button topic because there is many opinions about adoption and abortion as there are women, you know, so mm -hmm. it, it's, it opens up a lot of uh, avenues for discussion. Well, Speaking of discussion. Important. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Lauren. Oh, sorry. It's probably important to have those discussions, too. Yes. And not would... talk about it. Mm -hmm. And speaking of talking and discussions, you also have a podcast, Authors Over 50. Yes. How fun is that? How'd that get I, started? Well, you know, everybody kept saying that's the new avenue for 
authors. You need to get your brand out there. And mm -hmm. I thought there are enough podcasts. I listen to them when I ride my bike every single day. You know, I know there are lots of podcasts, mm -hmm. but I kept thinking there aren't really any podcasts that celebrate authors who write their debut novel over the age of 50. And uh, I was thinking really over the age of 60 for me, but I opened it up to the uh, <laughs> young 50, young people. <laughs> yeah, the young women age 50 because, you know, you see all of these um, awards for under 30 or under 40. And those are wonderful because, uh, of course, we celebrate how fabulous young people can can be as well. But. For, for us to wait until our retirement years and then to write these books, I think is, is worth celebrating as well. Absolutely. I completely mm -hmm. agree. Do you have a favorite author that you've had on the show with you or someone that just was particularly engaging for you? Maybe not well, a favorite. Well, we don't like to pick favorites, but <laughs> someone who just really was an engaging person to talk to. We're, we're just now recording. We're batch okay. recording so we can upload okay. everything. The trailer is out there right now. Uh, everybody can go anywhere where you listen to podcasts and, and, and uh, see authors over 50 and you'll hear about the premise of the show. But um, it's, it's been so great to, to listen. You know, I love to listen to people's stories. That's one thing we do really well in the South is mm -hmm. listen, you know, to everybody's gossip or oh, yeah. <laughs> stories that they have, family sagas and yes. all the secrets that are being kept. So I'm, I'm enjoying listening to everybody. I, I'm getting to interview some of, of my editors as well. And that's been fun to turn the tables. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. What an interesting perspective for them too. And for mm -hmm. you to have to kind of flip that mm -hmm. to what they are looking for, what they are, are working through on that side. And what a great thing for readers to get to hear as well, because oftentimes, you know, I like to talk mm -hmm. about the process of book writing and just the whole thing, getting it out there, you know, from beginning to end, because readers don't often get to find out mm -hmm. what happens to get their favorite book onto the shelf. Yes. And it's an interesting, fascinating process for people who don't know how that works to kind of get that inside scoop. So what a great, what a great idea for guests. You know, this, this is such a humbling industry. It's so humbling. You know, they say that 2,000 books a day are being released. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do we ever you know, have any one reader read our books, much less thousands of readers read our books. A million, a million books in the U.S. a year. I mean, that's just an incredible number. Mm -hmm. That and is. Kind of, you got to find a loyal, loyal readership is quite yes. an accomplishment. Yes. In that kind it of really market. Is. Yeah, it really is. Well, Julia, I wish we could talk to you all day long. I'd love to have you on again to talk about some more things, especially as you get that podcast up and running and getting some feedback back from that and all the things that you get to talk about on that show. We would love to have you back on again and share some more of that. Yes, I would love for you to. Bye. I would love for you to. Well, Julia, as as we're wrapping up, will you let the folks know where they can find you online? Yes, www.juliadaily, and that's like daily newspaper, D-A-I-L-Y.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We are so glad you've been here. This has been a copywritten podcast of Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network. Join us next time for some more BYOB.